So people saying, I really appreciate that you never show pictures of your watch. Like you don't talk about pace. You're not obsessed with like how fast or anything. And then kind of saying like, you make me feel included. And I thought, gosh, I didn't realize how many people felt on the outside. And it's just such a large percentage because we have this weird perception of what running is. And so I thought, I really want these people to realize like you're a runner and nobody cares what your pace is but you. It's Matt and Hannah here with another episode of the 8020 Endurance Podcast. Our guest this week is running coach Amanda Brooks. You may be familiar with her very popular blog, Run to the Finish, and she has a really good book by the same name. Yes, and Instagram account. She's one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, so check her out there as well. But the quote at the front of this episode, it's very obvious if you know just even a fraction about Matt and I or 8020 Endurance that we wholeheartedly agree that pace really doesn't matter that much. It really only matters to the individual. Yeah. And I like her point about inclusivity, inclusiveness. It's something I worry about myself as a coach because I'm so into the performance aspect because you know, running is a sport. It's, it's many other things, but I like coaching athletes who really want to perform better. I'm sometimes concerned that I turn people away or that I intimidate some runners. And so thank goodness for the Amanda Brooks's of the world. Not that she's not also performance oriented, but I think those barriers that might exist between me and certain runners don't exist between her and certain runners. So yeah, we, we need we need Amanda Brooks. Yes. And also just a good reminder too, I've been feeling this way on social media recently that you're curating the people that you're following and if you're only following, you know, Emma Coburn's of the world, like <laughs> that's who you're going to compare yourself to. And I think she does a really good job with showing up authentically. And so we talk about her journey a bit with social media and her blog as well. And I mean, another way to to meet new runners and to to be a part of an inclusive community is to attend running retreats. Good segue, yes. good segue. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, so I've never met Amanda in person, but you and I will both get to do that at the Austin Running Retreat in February. Kicks off on the 17th. You can still come. You'll have to walk. All the flights are canceled. But yeah, so that's that's a great opportunity. And we also talk about the, the new Pace app by Training Peaks, the adaptive training app for runners that both Amanda and I are involved in a lot of ground covered in this one. I'm surprised that you have not met in person with all of the things that you seemingly cross paths on. So that's surprising. But yes, we'll meet her in Austin. We'll be able to hang out with her and looking forward to that. Not in person this Saturday. We have about three more days before our first ever virtual conference, the endurance event. It is free for the first three hours. The entire event is $49.95 and you get a free 80-20 endurance training plan. I feel like we've been talking about this for so long, but seriously, three more days, <laughs> we're there. Yeah, there's been a rush on tickets. It's gonna be a very well attended event. You know, when you launch something like this, you have no idea if anyone's gonna show up. Even though we can't see our audience, it's nice to know there will be a lot of people listening and you can be one of them. There's still time. Yes. We're even going to hang up our 8020 endurance banner that David bought us. <laughs> That's a big day if we're hanging up that banner. So show up to see the banner. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll have to budget an hour and a half for that project. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, enjoy the episode, everyone. Amanda Brooks, welcome to the 8020 Endurance Podcast, the podcast that's 80% make it to the start line and 20% run to the finish. Welcome. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so so last week, our, yeah, thank you. Our last guest, I always try to do something a little cute and our last guest, it just fell completely flat. He's like, I, don't, I wanted to make it like super extra double obvious this time. So anyway, welcome. <laughs> excited to be here <laughs> yes run to the finish the title of your book but also your instagram handle dare i say you are an influencer is that i know that ha carries some like negative connotation but you are i mean you have yeah a lot of influence on social media i love following you it's a weird thing because i mean i started blogging in 2005 so for me the website is my identity it's my business but a lot of people yeah they know me because of social media so it is a really fascinating thing to have watched it shift over the years yeah from blog to instagram is instagram your main i guess is that where you spend your mo most of your time on on the internet now or you still blog no, i mean yeah it's still really my website so matt manages to put out books like crazy i just write crazy amounts of articles on the website <laughs> got it cool fair enough We've all got our thing. So I, I would like to jump in and steal one of Hannah's questions. I'm sure she has a question lined up about imposter syndrome. So, and this is not me saying, you're an imposter, you should have imposter syndrome. It's me, it's like, it's a theme. It's a recurring theme, especially for Hannah. She loves it. So I'm just stealing it. I'm just taking one of her questions. I'm trying to work through my own. So <laughs> <laughs> it usually comes up we in every episode. <laughs> So, hey, is it something you've ever dealt with in your in your career? I mean, a hundred percent. So you and I are both involved in a new app with Training Peaks. And when they came to me initially and said, Matt Fitzgerald and Kara Goucher are going to be coaches, I said, are you sure you meant to call me? <laughs> There's a lot of Amanda Brookses out there. <laughs> you, you might have the wrong one. I don't know. <laughs> They're obviously a great team. So they were like, no, no, like we've seen your qualifications. But yeah, I think especially in an industry where there's so many ways that you could compare yourself. So I could either be trying to be the faster runner or I could be trying to be the person who has a bigger Instagram or has more books. Like there's like 8 million ways to sort of continually compare yourself. And so I kind of keep coming back to the idea of even when I talk to newer runners, which is always like, if you know more than someone else, you are currently their expert. And I know that I put a lot of effort into reading every running book that comes out and trying to stay on top of how things are shifting and deciding what I think works and doesn't work for our athletes. So. I have to kind of remind myself and keep coming back to that, like, no, you're doing the work, like, you are where you are because you've put in that time. That's well a really said. good way to describe it, yeah. You know, if you know more than someone in that conversation, you are the expert. Yeah, and it's true. Remind. Have you ever, and I know you've been on, on the internet for a while, but like, I kind of want to ask that question in a more specific way for social media's sake. Like, how have you seen that grow and the importance of that, especially in what you do, your coaching business, but also you personally, like, how do you 
keep showing up authentically because like I said I love following you I think your content is great you're someone who's engaging but also provides a lot of value and I think those both of those things are hard to come by yeah it's an interesting process because like I said really the website and writing is kind of what started me that was my joy like I like the research and the writing so my Instagram is definitely a little more towards that education based like tips but then in stories is where I get to be silly and have personality and I think I keep coming back to the idea that Instagram for me is about community so it's the connection it's that like place where I can see what's working, like what's having an impact, what questions are coming out right now. And that keeps me from focusing on numbers, honestly, like, because there was definitely a long time where I was like, oh, I need more followers. I need more (laughs) followers. Like that was the thing. And then I was just like, but who cares if they're not seeing it and it's not helping them and it's not useful to them? I don't really want them to follow me. And so now I'm just really excited because I do have a good community there and it's really fun to be able to interact with them or go to a race and know people and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. How would you characterize that community? And I'm going to disallow one potential answer to this question like, oh, it's a cross section, it's a little bit of everyone. Because I think like nobody, you know, even with my own books, I like to think, oh, they go broad. I I get everyone from raw beginners to elites reading them. Well, not so much, probably. But like, is there a typical run to the finish fan? Yeah, more so in recent years, I feel like it's in some ways narrowed down and maybe because of the book. So I always lovingly say the book is targeted to the middle of the pack. And so I have a lot of women very high percentage of women, 30 to 50. And actually, it's been really fun with coaching. We've had a lot of women in their 60s this year, like ready to rock stuff. And I'm loving sort of seeing like that running is aging with us. But to me, there are a lot of people who call themselves beginners, but have run like 10 half marathons. (laughs) Or maybe they took off a few years and they're coming back. So I wouldn't call them a beginner, but they still call themselves beginners. Yeah, Beginner it's like, mind. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel like that in triathlon. Like if you haven't done a full Ironman, you're nothing. You know, like if you haven't ran a marathon, you're nothing. But less, what is the fact? Like less than one percent of the population has run a marathon before. It's because we're in that bubble. Like so, when you're following all these runners, then all right. of a sudden you feel like everyone is really fast and everyone has done a marathon. And I'm like. No, you are in a small little like bubble of people that you're following. That's not the average like and the majority of people, you know, around you have never even done a 5K. That's why you're on Instagram trying to find people. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, that bubble. Well, I happen to know that you did many different sports growing up. Volleyball, swimming were two that stuck. And in a lot of sports, I know this is a common theme on a lot of podcasts, but I'm going to do it anyway, that (laughs) running is a form of punishment in sports. Luckily, I was a swimmer. That's my background. So We never really ran at all. We got enough cardio in the pool. But I'm wondering how you got running to stick. And can you point to a certain moment that you were like, running is now my thing. And and this is where the passion lies. And I'm going to go for it. 
Yeah, it's really funny because, I mean, I have vivid memories in college of starting to go for a run with my then boyfriend and faking knee pain <laughs> to <Huh>. stop <laughs> and go home. I'm like, oh, God, it's just, it's so bad <laughs> so that I could go home. So I certainly remember, like, I really, really, really hated it. My junior year, a group of people were going to go do a road trip to run the Rock and Roll Nashville Half Marathon, and... I really just wanted to go on the road trip. It never crossed my mind I could go without running the race. It was just a foregone conclusion. So in that process, there was something really interesting that happened during the training. I had that little loop around the campus that I would do, and I just remember the day where suddenly there was this huge hill, and I ran the whole hill, and it just clicked. Like, I was so proud and I consistently feel like I am not a natural runner so even 20 years later every time I do it I'm like man you just did that I mean every day (laughs) and there was something in that training so I know for a lot of people it's that first finish line that was exciting but it was it was something about the training itself that day in day out like gosh I keep showing up for this how weird is that kind of like, I'm, I'm proud of you. You keep choosing to do this. It, it's not easy and you're still doing it. Yeah. Wow. That, that is a, I'm glad you had a pointed moment because a lot of times that question is asked and people are like, nah, you know, just, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of happen, but inspiration right there. <laughs> so each of us who is a pace coach had a video done just sort of I don't know, three three minutes of what makes us tick as as runners and, and coaches. And in yours Peace, the uh, training peaks app. Yes, thank you very yeah. much. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, you said an app before. Now we have a name for it. Connecting <laughs> the dots here. But you said that you still have a, a great passion for running and in answering Hannah's question, you just said sort of, you know, what the hook was, what made you fall in love with running. And I think you also just said that you still get that. You p- still pat yourself on the back when you summit the hill. But there has there been an evolution in what what keeps the, the love for, for running alive for you? Yeah, I think it's been interesting because like a lot of people, you know, initially it sort of felt like to run, you needed to have a race on the calendar. And so I would do a marathon or I would do half marathons. And I kind of hit that point where marathons were not enjoyable. And it was this just sort of realization moment of like, man, I really love running and this is making it not fun. And if I keep doing this, I'm going to stop running. And so there have been years where I will have no race on the schedule. I run the same amount of mileage. And a lot of that is just me sort of continually coming back to like, I'm really happy to be outside. Gosh, this just makes me feel good. I get so many creative ideas. And so I think I'm kind of constantly coming back to that why, which just helps. I'm less focused on a particular goal and maybe more focused on the process. Love that. So you talked about how your community is mostly middle of the pack runners, females, but was that the person that you set out to speak to when you started your blog and your Instagram and everything. And on top of that, is that kind of how your coaching philosophy is shaped around that person? Ooh, good question. No, I think starting out, I had no idea who I was talking to. Really, when blogs started in 2005, they were like Instagram. It was, 
here's my day, who else is a runner? Like you just commented. So really when I started kind of writing articles, it was taking that journalism background and being excited to dive into it, but I didn't know really who it was talking to. I think probably writing that first book helped me crystallize it a little bit. And so probably three or four years ago as that started coming together, um, really from messages that I was getting over and over. So people saying, I really appreciate that you never show pictures of your watch. Like you don't talk about pace. You're not obsessed with like how fast or anything. And then kind of saying like, you make me feel included. And I thought, gosh, I didn't realize how many people felt on the outside. And it's just such a large percentage because we have this weird perception of what running is. And so I thought, I really want these people to realize like, you're a runner and nobody cares what your pace is but you. And so, yeah, it has kind of evolved to really thinking about that group as I write anything. I think you may have sort of halfway answered my next question, but I'll let you do the other half now. And this is actually putting you in a tough spot probably, but a lot of people start running blogs and then they don't end up being Amanda Brooks. So, I mean, what do you think made you stand apart? You've, you said that you made people feel included. I guess like there was, you, you lowered the, a barrier to entry, you know, you took down the intimidation factor, but was there, there more to it? I mean, I happen to think you're really good at writing, so maybe, maybe that's part of it too, but anything else and just in terms of your voice or what makes you different from a million other running bloggers? Yeah, I think there were a couple things. On the blog side of things, I really made a conscious decision at one point that I was gonna stop talking about me. So my voice is there, but I thought, honestly, I don't care. I don't wanna read about what you had for lunch. Like, why would you wanna read about what I had for lunch? So really, when I started writing those kinds of articles that were focused on the person on the other side of the screen, that made a difference, and then Knowing that I like to research things and make sure I'm not just giving you advice to give you advice. I have heard a lot of comments that said, I just feel like when I read the tips on your site, you're either citing something or like, I know you now have experience or you've tested it or checked it out so I can trust what you're saying. And I think those have gone a long way. Yep. Would you consider what you're doing right now your dream job? Because it seems really fun. I mean, you test <laughs> gear. <laughs> You test gear out. People really trust you. I mean, that's a high accolade for having this huge following. Do you feel a lot of pressure for that? And is it your dream job? I mean, I feel like it's a job I made up. I don't think it's a job yet. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's been my business since 2012, but I'm still kind of like, how is this a business? No, so I do. I love what I do. It is overwhelming sometimes, partially because I think of my personality, I'm always looking at like, oh, I need to be writing this. I need to do this next thing. So, you know, it was create courses, create an online club, coach people in person. Like, so I think it is overwhelming at times because of that side of things. But on the whole, I mean, yes, it's hard to beat that I get to talk about running all the time. I get to call going for a run part of my day and my job. And even just talking about it in general is is a huge win for me. I think it's time to talk a little bit more about pace. The app by Training Peaks. Okay, are we all clear? Um, so, you know, when, when Training Peaks came to me and asked me to be involved, like I, I knew exactly how this project fit into the, the bigger picture. I mean, 
I started running when I was 11 years old, started coaching in, in 2001. I, I remember Hannah and I have talked about this, like this old software called PC Coach. It was like this thing in the 90s where you could buy something, it would come in the mail and you, I don't know what, there was like a CD-ROM or something, you stuck it in your desktop computer. Floppy and like disc, some maybe. Floppy disk, <laughs> something, eight track tape, and, and like some, <laughs> some robot would try to coach you. So I don't know, like when this opportunity was presented to me, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This fits, I, I, I can't wait to, to roll up my sleeves and and get down to it. But how about you? I mean, did it, was it more of like a little like, did it seem more like a, a sharp right turn out of nowhere to get involved in this? Or did it actually fit into your bigger picture in, in maybe a different way than it did for me? Yeah, I was really excited about it. I think because one of the things I've always tried to be conscious of is that while I love our one-to-one -one running and that I have a team of coaches, it's just not feasible for everyone. And so I have, even when I've thought about courses, always tried to think about being more price conscious. And so the idea of this app and that it was, you know, 10 steps ahead of anything that was out there and at such a like ridiculously low price. Yeah, I still don't understand it's whatever, 6.99 a month now, I think I, yeah. If every runner on earth subscribes, I think we'll be profitable. I mean, it's so crazy. I was, yeah, so I was super excited because I thought, okay, paper plans are a great starting point, but the number of people who send me direct messages of like, so I missed the last week and a half. What do you think I should do? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this helps solve that for so many of them. Yes, yeah. It's true. Yeah, even the just the price part, forget about the artificial intelligence and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, I, I kept being like, are they sure that's what it's going to be? But yeah, super exciting. Did they forget a zero somewhere in there? <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely something that us at eighty uh, twenty were excited about too and, and always focused on providing value. I'm curious to know what your favorite part of your business is yeah is it the one-on-one -on -one coaching is it the gear review is it the working with pace writing your blog being on this um, podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> specifically this one specifically this one I mean when I get to travel that is usually my favorite part but 90% of the time I would say honestly I still really like to write and so I really enjoy that piece of it and then having created the online virtual run club in the last couple of years just being able to go into a group and answer questions and go live that is really enjoyable too that travel reference cannot be left alone. So, <laughs> so really it's fun. Really great you know? segue, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny when I when when we have a guest on the podcast that I've known for a while or known of for a while. Like I like to just go through into my Hotmail account and and just like do search for the first reference to the person. So, do you happen to know when we first connected and why and how? Oh my gosh. I, I didn't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so not we, sure. <laughs> yeah, so we were introduced to each other by a, a former running podcaster named Matt Johnson. And I, my book, Diet Cults, was about to come out. This is, okay, March 6th, 
2014 is the date of the email. And he, he thought you might be interested in reading a copy of that book. Yeah, I wrote a review on the blog of it. <laughs> did, did you actually, I, want, I wanted to follow up. I'm a few years late, but so you actually did read it. Oh, thank you. I did, it's still on my bookshelf. <laughs> it's a good one. Oh, that's really funny, yeah. <laughs> Throwback. But that's actually, that's not where I wanted to go with this. In fact, I don't even remember what I, you had a perfect segue with travel. Oh, I know what it is. Like, like it's, it's cool that, I mean, I've known of you. So we first connected eight years, but now we're actually doing some stuff together. Like we, we were both involved in pace and then we, we were able to strong arm you or Jake Tuber strong armed you into coming out to, to be a coach at one of our camps at the running camp, running retreat in Austin in February. So I'm very glad to hear you like to travel. Is that going to be fun for you? I, I hope it's not just too, <laughs> it's like work and, and no fun. We... No, it'll be super fun. I mean, running retreats are always fun, right? You're just surrounded by a bunch of people who like the same stuff as you versus I went to my husband's holiday party. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, you run. And you're like, here we go. <laughs> and for all of Amanda's husband's coworkers who are listening to this right now, nothing personal. She likes you. It's just the other ones she can't stand. <laughs> Some of them do run. I'll give them that credit. But no, it's usually the, oh, I always wanted to run, but I just can't. It's, you it, know, the same it hurts conversation my knees. you have over <laughs> yeah. and over. No, it really hurts my knees. <laughs> Or they're like, whoa, you ran eight miles over the weekend? I don't even drive that far. I don't even drive that far. That's yes. And then you're just like, I don't know what to say now. (laughs) Yeah, Austin is going to be a blast. I'm so glad that you're coming. You're coming with Inside Tracker in partnership with Inside Tracker, correct? Yes. Wow, look at this segue. I know. Um, and our pre- that's our presenting sponsor. So, how are you tied with Inside Tracker? What do you what do you do with them? So, I've actually been working with them since like 2015. So, you know, I started using their test way back then and really have just appreciated and continue to appreciate the insights. So, our partnership has just sort of expanded over the years whether it's writing on the blog or talking on social media about them. Um because I am really discerning in who I work with, I'm happy to work with them because I genuinely appreciate the information and trust it and, and believe in its usefulness. Yeah, so how often do you get blood draws from them and what's been the biggest improvement that you've taken away from the information that you've received from those blood draws? Yeah, it kind of depends on the year. So this year I've done a few more because I was interested to see how things changed in the buildup to running Chicago and after Chicago and all of that. But usually like a couple times a year, but a little more when I have something specific I'm watching. Gosh, the big thing really honestly has just been sort of the consistent watching of things over the years and being able to realize like, oh, I need to make a little tweak here. I mean, at one point it was just try adding oats to your diet was one of their recommendations. And the next time around, I was like, look at that, everything's better. But there are a couple I'm always watching. So I tend to have low vitamin D and I will get very lazy about supplementing until I take a test and it's in the red and that makes me get back on it. Classic Um, athlete mentality. Yes. I'm like, I'm so consistent with like, I would not miss a run, but taking that little pill, like, eh, who cares if you miss that for four or five days? Well, 
your body cares. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Matt Oatmeal? We have a uh, podcast promo out that uh, definitely will be out by the time this episode goes live about me eating oatmeal and Matt yells at me about the oatmeal. <laughs> Anywho, check that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting on that to drop. Um, yes, but with uh, I'm curious, you know, you know, I, I've had a few like, you know, relationships with companies over the years where like I'm basically paid to make people buy their stuff, but not a lot. And, and mostly like, you know, when I find a product or a service I really like, I just start shilling for them whether they know I'm doing it or not. Like, like Elliptigo is a good example. Like I, I demoed like one, an early, early, early proto, prototype of the Elliptigo, you know, the outdoor, the bike that's an elliptical mm-hmm. trainer. And so like they've never paid me a dime and I've probably sold a bunch of Elliptigos just because like, I'm like, this is awesome. But, but I would think that like you, when, when you tell people that this is a good product or service, like, people listen just because you're not really a shill, but you do a lot of this. Like, you know, you you separate the wheat from the chaff, and I'm so excited to learn that you reviewed diet cults. But, <laughs> One out of five okay. stars. <laughs> Little do you know. <laughs> but did, would you say that's part of your thing? Like, people trust what you say about about these things? Yeah, and I'm very transparent, too, that, like, I will tell you if there are things I don't like about it. And so a lot of things I review, there is no partnership. Sometimes there is, so I'm very clear when there is, but I will also tell the partner like, hey, if I dislike this thing, I'm gonna say that and it's going to go better because I say that. So a lot of partners will just walk away. They're like, nope, we want nothing but positive. And I'm like, that's fine. It's not a good fit then. But yeah, I mean, I sell a ridiculous number of Garmin watches and Nordetrack (laughs) models. They should both just send me bags of money. (laughs) I would love to have a number of elliptigos that you had people purchase, Matt. That'd be a fun fact. It could be zero. I just, you know, it's easy to say it's a lot. I don't know. What's funny is because people trust me, oddly enough, like there are watches that I've reviewed that I really dislike. They will still buy from that post because I will point out the things that someone else might like. So I'll say, Uh I really don't like this watch. I'm never gonna use it, but here's some good features. And I'm fascinated every month to watch like click throughs and see that people end up buying it from that. So Hmm. it's a fascinating thing. She hates it, so I'm going to love it. <laughs> yeah, maybe you have some followers that, like, disagree with everything that you say, but they, stick, they stick around. She's so reliable. Negative reviews. Yeah. She hates everything I love, and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be too funny to see. So we've had a, we have had a few other coaches on the podcast in the past, James McCurdy, one of them. And the first time we had another running coach on, I was like, Matt, what are we doing? Why why are we promoting someone else's coaching business? You know, this is how I keep the heat on in my apartment. But, you know, I've obviously learned that the more the merrier, spread the wealth. We all are here for the same reason. But I'm curious to know, like, what is your philosophy on that, on different coaches in the space? And how how do you stand apart from them? And what do you hope to provide value for runners in the world? Yeah, I mean, I refer people to other running coaches all the time, honestly, when Mm -hmm. I think like we're not the best fit. And that's been like a really nice thing to see in maybe the last five or so years where it's like, 
okay, yes, like I would like to have that runner on our business, but also like I'm just not really competing with you because the more of us who are coaching, the more people realize like, oh, coaching isn't just for the person who's running that three hour marathon. It might actually be helpful when I'm trying to do my first one and not get injured. So yeah, I think, gosh, I do refer people. That's a big thing for me is making sure we're the right fit. So I started adding people to my team of coaches. And specifically, I wanted to make sure we had someone who was really great for trail runners. I mean, she has done more ultra marathons than I would even consider marathons in my lifetime. So having people who have that knowledge in different areas and just like the personal experience, I think that helps a lot as a coach. So for me, I mean, we do help a wide breadth of people, but I think lately, like I said, it's been really cool to see this shift to women 40s, 50s, 60s that are excited, like they keep saying, I just feel like I have more in me and I need help putting all the pieces together. And that's really, really exciting. So that's what I've seen a ton of lately, whether they're going for their first marathon or they're like, eh, I'm kind of just getting back into it, but I really want to do this and I want to do it better than I did it before. I love that. We just had our last podcast that we put out was Celine Yeager and similar message there. <laughs> I think there's definitely going to be some big like movement for women in, in their 40s, 50s going through that stage of life, like yes. coming into sport, coming back into sport, which is really exciting to see. Yeah. I talk a lot about low heart rate training, which blends basically really well with 80 20 mm -hmm. and it takes people a little bit to sort of figure that out but for me it is a lot about helping people figure out how to run easy it's very difficult for a lot of people to actually run easy and so low heart rate has been one of the things that's helped and as we are dealing with women whose hormones are changing it's really helping to keep their cortisol from just being super high all the time because they're finally taking it easy enough it is kind of funny if you look at the model for the pace app it's like you know five initial coaches and, and technically we're in competition with each other but it seems <laughs> it seems neither of us really looks at it that way not really <laughs> yes and and yes and you are going to be at the endeavor run camp yeah it's just it's just all one big happy family as far as i'm concerned I wanted to ask, you know, when we had the initial kind of kickoff call for, for the Austin retreat with Jake and where we just sort of welcomed you to, to the team, you said something very interesting about the what distinguishes good camps from bad ones. Could you share that with, with our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So specifically, he's referring to an experience I had with a running camp in Costa Rica. So we were quite literally in the jungle and about three of us got left in the jungle. Luckily, at least we were together. The prior day, I got left by myself in the jungle for three hours. The day that there was three of us, we were lost for about four hours. So there was no, there was literally one pace leader. And so everyone was supposed to run that pace and we were clearly not and they didn't stop. They didn't wait for the group to regroup. They just kept going. And obviously you, I mean, this was long enough ago. It wasn't like I had an international cell phone with GPS, plus there were no <laughs> trails. Like there were no, you were in the middle of nowhere. Like we were sleeping in tents in the middle of nowhere. So 
that for me was a very, very bad running camp versus I've been to others that were even like ultra focused and, you know, you have three or four pace leaders and you just know you're never going to be just left behind. So people feel that inclusion and they're a little more willing to maybe try that little bit longer run or try that extra rep because they still feel included in everything that's happening. There's that theme again, the the inclusion piece. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, I guess maybe part of the reason some bloggers don't succeed because they they are intimidating. It's the reason that camp sucked. It's like all they cared about was the fastest runners attending the camp. So you can make a ton of money if you just include people. Yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) I'm throwing that clip at the front of the podcast. Today's biggest takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Anywho, yes, you will you will be a very healthy influence at the camp. Like I, I know that I mean Jake's all about that. He he really is. He does a good job and I know that you will slot right in beautifully and actually I, I would imagine take the lead in, in some ways, uh, in setting that tone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, and if you are thinking about the Austin retreat, you will not get lost in the wilderness. We can promise you that. (laughs) That is so crazy. (laughs) Yes, it was insane. (laughs) How not to organize a running camp. All right, so moving on. Hannah like has her pet topics. I have my pet topics. and, And so, and we both just accept each other, but I stole her imposter syndrome one this time but one i think about a lot these days especially someone who's been at this for a long time is like the whole staying relevant thing you know it's just like i guess especially since i you know my health has gone kind of sideways in the last like year and a half and i'm I'm slowing down and i never really thought about it before it's just like you know what if people just stop caring (laughs) that that i'm out here and and you're not obviously in that in that position at all but it it, is i have i take a professional interest in bouncing that question off of folks like you who are sort of you know you let's face it you've kind of achieved uh, you've reached a high level and you've been at that level for a while and there's no guarantees right like maybe you don't even care about you know staying relevant but is this is that something you think about at all like how do i keep this going I mean, every day I assume my business is going to die in the following weeks. So, so yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes. I feel so much better. <laughs> wow. Are you stressed like all the time if that's how you live? <laughs> so, no. I mean, on in general, I'm usually just celebrating the wins. But I think because everything is constantly shifting and there's this next platform and this new thing and oh my gosh, I need to be doing so much more video. It is always me kind of taking an inventory of like, okay, but what's actually moving the needle right now? So it's awesome that everyone loves TikTok, but is TikTok getting people (laughs) to pay me for anything? (laughs) Not right now. So, okay, I don't have time for that. So yes, from... From that, I am always kind of like watching. And I mean, genuinely, when people ask me like, where do you see your business in five years? I'm like, I have no idea. This, I mean, what happens every year tends to surprise me from the previous year because it's just kind of me trying to evolve with what's happening, but see what I enjoy. So no tips for me for staying relevant. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) 
Your books like, have to be great, like bye. the most read running books ever. I don't know how to be more relevant. <laughs> yes. Get, so, get back to the, the writing, Matt. All right. Can we talk to Amanda for 10 more minutes before I go back to writing, though? Yes. <laughs> Please. I will say I'm curious for you. So I had knee surgery in 2017. And obviously there was a period where I couldn't run. There was the whole time leading up to it. And I didn't, I went through phases of that where I didn't want to write about running. I didn't want to talk about running all the time. Like it was just very frustrating that I wasn't running, that I didn't know what was ahead for me in terms of running. Has that been like an issue for you? You know, thank you for turning it around and making me the interviewee. <laughs> but no, that, that's good. Funny enough, no, not not really. I mean, I, I'm sort of like, you know, Hannah will tell you. I, I was like, I was reading this book on physics when when she and my eighty twenty compadres came to visit last week, and I was like all on fire about like this physics I was learning. So I have other outlets, and then. You know, my wife is not, nor has ever been a runner, like has no interest in this stuff. So I, you know, that's part of the reason I married her is like balance, yay. So like, you know, I, I can always, I can always get away from, from, it's actually early on in my careers when I dealt with that. Like I, you know, cause I grew up wanting to be a writer and I did not imagine myself a sports writer. So I've always felt like I was slumming it, like writing about, it's like, oh, my real writing is this other stuff. And it took me a long time to realize like, no, you can write great stuff about running. You know, you don't have to hold back your talent. And then and then now that I actually can't run myself, it's actually the next best thing for me. Like I can't run, but other people run for me. And like I can, it's an outlet to be able to just, you know, give people motivation, inspiration, information, whatever guidance to help them along their journey. So I wouldn't necessarily have expected that because I'm kind of a selfish person by nature, but that's the truth of it. It's like, I still like you know coaching and running, writing about running and other endurance sports because it just makes me feel included. There's that theme again, amazing. <laughs> I love that, I love that, that's cool. So can we go oh, back to answering, asking the questions? <laughs> <laughs> I threw off the whole interview. <laughs> yes. Because I, like, I, I am a guest on a lot of podcasts, so I'm actually a little disoriented right now. I don't know if this is my show anymore. We need name tags, Matt. You are a host. <laughs> Let us remind you. Okay. That's right. That's why I have a list of questions in front of me. There we go. Back on track. Oh, man. Matt, do you have a few more questions, or can I shoot my super deep closing question? You can, you can do the super deep closing question. I'll, I'll oh. bet I know what it is, by the way. Yeah, you, you do. But I like it. If it's what yeah, I think I, it is, I'm... Okay. Go for it. And it's fit, It's fitting for Amanda as well. So a little intro into this question, but we were coming home from a dinner from our summit that we had last weekend in California. So me, David, Layla, Matt, the whole 8020 team. And I don't know who asked the, the question initially. I think it was Layla, probably. She asked us, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love yourself? <laughs> and you can you can the, the question you know you answer how you think you should answer and then please tell us why you picked the answer oh man let's see and if, if you want we will share our answers first if it makes you feel more comfortable uh, yeah sure let's hear your answers actually you know what i probably shouldn't because then we you have know. then we're gonna go all right mine was don't, a one <laughs> no matt don't answer <laughs> <laughs> I want uh, a genuine answer. 
I'm sorry. And, and because the question, the way you think about the question is very interesting too. Yes. So I'm also just imagining a group of you coming home from a retreat and all of the things that could be swirling around that potential question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of that. Um, so I'm going to go with thinking of it in terms of how much do I like myself as a person. I feel like that gets better each year I get older. So I'd say I'm at like an eight. Wow, very nice. Excellent. <laughs> Matt? Would you like to share your answer? No, I think that's just like a whole, it's a whole different episode. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, basically a, it's, it's like. It's a you and me episode. Yeah. It, when I give my answer, it's like the therapy begins. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to work on this. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's an interesting question because I think people think about the question differently. Like, that's what's so interesting about it. It's not really the number. It's like, we asked Corey Nomura. He came to a dinner with us and we asked him and he said 10 and he said you know I love myself I don't think I'm perfect I forgive myself in a lot of situations but who I am as a person 10 out of 10 so yeah it's just interesting to to hear about that philosophy yeah so why an eight though you have two points to go to get to a 10. It's going to take you there. Well she said she's getting better every year so she just has to live a few more years that's it. Okay. Okay. I also am not someone, people think I'm a perfectionist, but I am not. I Good and done is better than perfect and never released. Yeah, I get that. I like that <laughs> philosophy, I think. Finally, I think a practical takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> right at the end, a nail biter, but we got one. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Our business is done, right? <laughs> we, I, I can go back to writing now. You can go yes. right. And working on my self-esteem. <laughs> yes, both things that, that I really need you to work on. <laughs> well, Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks. This was great. Pretty inspirational conversation with Amanda. Again, if you want to meet her in person, you can do that at the Austin Running Retreat. Matt and I will both be there as well, so come join. Still available to join that crew heading down there that weekend in February, so do check that out. It is time, though, for what is your jam. Matt, what's your jam this week? My jam is a song called Stabilize by Nilufer Yanya. That's a heck of a name. I'm probably massacring it. Like, all your jams have very unique names. Yeah, it's just, yeah. But this one's not a collaboration, at least. So, Ms. Yanya is uh, a Londoner, 26 years old, your age, Hannah, of mixed Irish, Turkish, and Barbadian descent. You would think with, like, an exotic-sounding name like that, that she makes exotic-sounding music. But no, she's an indie rock artist. And this particular track, if you're familiar with The Strokes, it's very reminiscent of that style. But the vocals are quite different. She writes really sort of sophisticated but catchy melodies. And this one has one that'll lodge in your head and then it'll be there for a few days afterwards. I like it a lot. Very cool. My jam this week is... One of the songs that I play (laughs) in my apartment when I need some energy and I just need to like stand up and dance it out for a second. So this is a little insider scoop. Wasn't going to share this one, (laughs) but (laughs) it's Sam Fender is the artist and the song title is 17 Going Under. It reminds me of a song that you'd play 
when you get your license in the first song that you play in the car <laughs> when you're driving by yourself. Love that one. I also really, really like his song, his cover, Waiting for Love, that he recorded in London. I think he's British, and he recorded that at Spotify Studios. They have, like, those Spotify sessions. But the cover of that one is really great. Not the same energy, though, so picked a more upbeat one. Right on. Good stuff. So, yeah. Dance it out in your... <laughs> your apartment to my jam and chill out with yours yours is chill it's a little bit up tempo uh okay it would be a a weird looking dance but doable (laughs) all right well i'll do my best i'll have to (laughs) shut the curtains for that one (laughs) yes please do all right we'll chat with you guys next week thanks for listening 